Welcome to the Serve Conscious Podcast, where people and companies can learn the inner game of service and tap into the fullest power of the service opportunity. So join me and let's master the service mindset together and up-level service the world over. And I encourage you to check out my partner, the Institute for Organizational Mindfulness, which is on a mission to help people and companies to incorporate mindfulness into their culture and raise performance, efficiency, general happiness, and everything that we want from going to work. So link is in the show notes for you to go deeper into that as well as the mindful service movement. All right, let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to part two in the uh, stress series. However, you don't have to have listened to part one to dig into this. It stands on its own. It's not like a fantasy book series where you have to read book one through 16 sequentially to know what's going to happen. And uh, don't worry, this doesn't have 16 parts. <laughs> Speaking actually of uh, book series, I'm reading a lot of sci-fi and fantasy lately, and I'm almost done a Parable of the Sower by Octavia E. Butler. And I'm not going to go ahead and recommend it since it is just a grim, brutal, post-apocalyptic story of survival. But if you're down for that sort of thing, it is stunningly well-written and uh, definitely deserving of all of its awards. And there's this sort of like motif or maybe mantra almost that's repeated throughout the book by uh, the main character through which the story is told. And she keeps saying, God is change. And they seem to want to form a sort of religion or maybe like Buddhism-like code of practice around this idea of revering change as almost a survival strategy because their existence is so challenging now that there is constant adaptation to new realities, new enemies, new disasters, loss of home and community and systems that could have been depended on for safety. And so many of the characters around her were in denial of the amount of change that was occurring. They were just trying to hang on to some nostalgic idea of the past and how things were better then and they could be better now, or were just sort of clinging to stability in some way. And needless to say, a lot of them didn't make it. And I really love this, not as a replacement for your present uh, religious practice. It certainly doesn't seem uh, complete and well-rounded enough. Uh, there's too much story going on to really flesh it out. But this idea of revering change, I think, is really powerful as the antidote to our usual first impulse, and that is to resist it, to deny it, to stick with the usual patterns that may not be relevant in this particular situation. Why am I not saving this for an episode on adapting to change? Because that is what stress is. It is a response to change, a change that we were not fully ready for. So in some regard, it stretched or overloaded our circuits. And in Parable of the Sower, people were experiencing stress on the regular. Dystopian futures tend to be pretty stressful, needless to say. And it beautifully revealed the ramifications of each path. You can choose to become savage and desperate and do whatever it takes just to get by and just, you know, lean into that aspect of the stress response. Or you can use it as an invitation to find a creative solution that doesn't reduce your humanity, which is what the main character opts for while remaining, you know, fierce and uncompromising. 
And it's a wonderful negotiation to continue to observe. And that's really how we can benefit from looking at our stress. It's not a sign that we're falling apart or that we can't handle something or, oh no, we're making ourselves sick with all of our adrenaline. That relationship isn't going to work. What it is is just a sign that there is something to adapt to. And you'll adapt to it better the better you handle your stress. So that's what we're going to work on today. So before we begin, I just want to say, yes, you are experiencing stress, in case you're wondering. Is your job stressful? Is your life full of high stakes and high pressure? Doesn't matter. The body is always, on the daily, experiencing some sort of stress and responding as such. Stress is simply a response to change that you weren't quite ready for. And throughout the day, you're having all kinds of unpredictable experiences, and some of them bring a bit of discomfort. That's a sign that it's stretching you a bit, throwing you off. Triggering a bunch of stuff that says, is this threatening? I don't know, maybe. It doesn't have to be a super heightened response. Low-level discomfort, as we talked yesterday, is some titration of stress chemicals happening. This is important to know because whatever level of stress response is happening Something needs attention, and pretending it's not there, resisting it, denying it, whatever, is going to amplify its hold on you. Hence, mindfulness. How does stress feel in the body? That's the first step when you're having an uncomfortable experience. How does my body feel? What is the influence of this feeling on how I'm thinking? On how I'm behaving or how I want to behave? You know, these impulses driving my behavior to tell someone off to punch the wall, whatever it is, right? What's the impact in how I communicate with others? How am I affecting them? Observe these things. Just observe them. We're not trying to fix anything at this point. Simply bringing that awareness to everything allows the process to flow and unfold, allows you to fully experience it, allows it to end sooner. We're going to talk more about stress not lasting as long as it needs to, because that's really where it can corrode your happiness, your capability, everything. So just saying, yes, I see you and I understand to the experience gives you untold power over it. Let's go back to what I just said there about saying yes to stress. This is really important, especially when you learn that stress is a problem. Now unlearn that it's a problem because the thing about knowing the toxic role of stress in your life, it can kind of be like, I wish I took the blue pill and... I didn't have to know that. Now every time I get stressed, I get stressed about the fact that I'm stressed because I'm now <laughs> toxifying myself with adrenaline. So you just compound the problem, right? So let's reframe all of this because relationships are everything. You've learned that in your customer service journey, your relationship with your customer, your relationship with your coworkers, your relationship with your friends and family, and as I hammer home, your relationship with yourself is everything. That also means your relationship to experiences is crucial. Stress is an experience. It's just one passing experience. It's no big deal. You're designed to have this experience. You're designed to handle it. Remember that. And you're also designed to really feel it and really listen to it. So we're not pushing it away. We're not disliking that it's there. We're not trying to get rid of it. We're just feeling it and embracing it. You can thank your body in the moment of stress. This is really powerful. Thank you for doing what you're designed to do to keep me safe. You can bring that gratitude into your physical self. 
You can stop, close the eyes, take deep, slow breaths. Deep, slow breaths are everything for not only calming the stress response, but bringing your awareness into the body where you can fully feel and embrace what you're experiencing. Box breathing is really great. That's a longer, slower inhale deep into the belly. You can count four fairly slow seconds as you breathe in. Hold it for a second and then breathe out for longer, like six seconds, and then try to extend that as you go. You don't need to hold it on the out breath though. Just hold it on the in breath. That's been found to be more calming, though some people hold the out breath. That can actually create stress if you hold the out breath too long because your lungs are totally empty. So just be aware of how you're feeling if you want to use the full box breathing. What I propose is more like triangular breathing. <laughs> and it's been shown to be really helpful for like anxiety and sort of sustained stressful discomfort that you want to be able to neutralize as much as possible. So that's one really key way of meeting stress in a way that is embracing, but also helps calm its grip on you. Also though, we don't want to love stress too much. (laughs) What do I mean by that? Well, how many people do you know, and are you one of these people, that say, I need stress to perform? It motivates me, it gives me energy, it makes life worth living, right? I used to be one of these people. I have a naturally extreme personality that's very excitable and very prone to thinking that like a high octane state is truly where the magic is in life. I am not on a mission to dismantle this perspective because that actually wouldn't be faithful to how we function as humans. Because as I understand it, it seems to be the case that the same system, the same mechanisms in us that create stress responses are also responsible for the arousal mechanisms in us. For example, we do need energy. We jump into the pool, we feel like uplifted and energized, right? Or a new challenge enters our awareness and we feel like alert and ready to attack and confident in ourselves that we have the energy and capability to handle this. That is also aided by our adrenals, which produce all these stress chemicals that make us go nuts, they also produce the right amount so that we feel alert and ready. When your adrenals aren't functioning, you like can't get out of bed sometimes. Another reason to have gratitude for this system. It's valuable to us even if we are not getting chased. Now, why do a lot of stress management people and meditation teachers say that stress isn't useful unless your life is threatened? They're not just talking about what I'm talking about here, arousal, alertness, all these useful tools for just you know being a person and going through the daily challenges of life. Even though it's part of the same system, they're talking about an overload of that system as the problem. And that's what's happening. When we're getting chased by a large toothy creature, we are getting overloaded at tremendous cost. As I said in the previous episode, these chemicals are saturating us and really not in a way that should be sustained. We are like an engine with nitrous oxide pumping through it. It's going to overheat. So for all intents and purposes, for the remainder of this series, when I talk about stress, I'm going to be talking about not your body's ability to respond to challenges with alertness and readiness and, you know, getting like excited and inspired to take them on. I'm talking about stress as having too much of all that shenanigans. And I challenge you to reframe this idea that you need stress 
in order to perform, to feel alive, for whatever it is that gives you meaning in your life. What if it's, I need challenges and demands that I know my body will respond to in a way that is ready and capable, but balanced. And if it's an unbalanced response, then I've got the tools to bring that response into balance. You will be denying yourselves the tools to rise to challenges if you feel yourself getting stressed and hate your stress response, wish it wasn't happening, wish you can handle things better, whatever. You will also not have everything you need if you pretend like you're not experiencing stress or that you're not experiencing more than you can handle that, you know, you're just going to like forge ahead and just hack and slash at the problem because you're a go-getter. That can lead to all kinds of problems later on, but even immediately. And let's talk about immediately because, you know, those warrior mentalities that just want nothing but challenges and demands and like competition and are fine with the levels of stress they experience, you can't hang future consequences over that mindset. Burnout, heart disease, immune dysfunction, whatever health problem it is, you can tell somebody their head's going to pop off their shoulders. It's not going to get them to change their in-the-moment habits very readily. So let's talk about the in-the-moment downsides of this, and that is your brain shuts down. You are not functioning as well as you think you are. You think you are (laughs) because you have all these stimulants in you and you feel really focused and you feel like you're never wrong and you're just crushing it, right? Well, you feel focused and you feel certain and decisive because many parts of your brain have shut down and your attention has narrowed. That's what the stress response does. It says, all right, what's the like simplest, most efficient um, circuits of the brain that we can keep firing here so that you can find an exit or find a jugular to take out the problem, right? So you don't have as much creativity. You don't have as much compassion. You don't have as broad of a capacity of thinking available to you. You just have like direct solution thinking. Fine. Helpful in certain crisis situations. And the right amount of that is good. You're using mindfulness to know if this is the right amount or if you are compromised. I'm not going to tell you. Who's to say, I can't argue with whatever level your arousal is and whether you think that's serving you. With mindful practice, you are the judge, jury, and field researcher, and whatever, of your own life. You are the highest authority on that, but awareness is key here. So I would say pay attention, but actually the stress response also compromises your ability to pay attention to details. So you aren't as capable as being mindful when you need it most. That is a huge catch, actually. So try reflecting after, you know, are you thinking you maybe didn't handle that as well as you could have, right? Were you kind of hoping for more space in which to respond to somebody? or to some challenge. That's a sign that stress ran away with you. Stress closes your sense of having time. You don't feel like you have time to make a reasoned, calculated response because your frontal lobes have shut down. They're what regulates that whole process of considering things first. And actually, the more meditation and mindfulness you have in your life, the more you will feel like you have more of this time, even if you don't, like on the clock, if you were to measure your response time, 
it might be the same, but you'll actually have more processing of the situation before acting. Stress makes you impulsive, basically. So look back. Reflection is what will give you a read of the situation. And if you don't have a clear memory of the situation, then you really had a stress response, right? Because stress also can totally cloud your memory. And let's talk about this response window, because that period between you having that experience of stress, of discomfort, of tension, and responding and behaving in a certain way, that window is everything. As Viktor Frankl said, it's where you create the world. And how you operate within this window is a really good sign of how your mindfulness game is doing, how much you've mastered your mind and its influence on your behavior. Because if you can extend that period where you're able to take things in and consider the right response, then you are acting more purposefully. On the other side of that, you're acting impulsively. You're reacting to everything. Having a greater window in which to give a grounded, clear-eyed response means you're handling life more like a samurai. Or like Liam Neeson in one of those many Liam Neeson-y movies where he's got a particular set of skills where he can really navigate any situation with careful consideration, even if it's something where he'd be really emotionally involved and prone to impulsivity. I think nine out of ten of his last movies were probably a family member getting kidnapped or attacked in some way. Stop compromising your kids, Neeson. Neeson's characters. (laughs) Anyway, he's one example of like the highly trained and disciplined uh, character with the right kind of self-control. Not in every situation, but a lot of the scenes notice how satisfied you are by... His restraint, or any action hero's restraint, like not acting on impulse when he could. Or she, I should especially say she, because women are known for having better impulse control than men. So one other thing you need to know about this window is that the stress response only lasts for a certain amount of time. That stress chemistry, adrenaline and whatnot, is circulating through you in that very physical way. And that number is generally around 90 seconds. You might be surprised by that number, right? Because thinking back to all of your challenging, stressful experiences, you might think, wow, would be really nice if all they lasted were 90 seconds. When was the last time a really difficult experience only lasted 90 seconds, actually, in your life? It could last for hours, maybe all day. Maybe not that heightened state, but the waning effects of it could. And what about just lasting anxiety as we continue to worry about the situation? Exactly. It's the mind that extends it past 90 seconds. And one of the key culprits of these prolonged stress responses is known as rumination. That's the mind grumbling about things after. I can't believe they said that to me. Oh, this is so horrible. Why me? Oh, this reminds me of this time when this other horrible thing happened to me. Or this reminds me of this time that I screwed up these other things. Maybe that's why this is my fault, that this customer said something horrible to me, etc., etc. There's a sort of stewing that occurs. And if you were to bring some mindfulness to this process, you might notice the mind verbalizing, you know, words and stories spinning around, causing this sort of self-sustaining loop. Or you may not quite notice clear storylines, just maybe a sense that you're stewing. Or 
a sense that you're clinging on to the experience. And that's why these practices of letting go of it are so necessary. You could be clinging on to a bad experience far past its expiration date without even realizing it. Just like how you can be having a stress response and not even realize it. Or you can be selling yourself short and not realize it. Your mind will make things worse than they are and you will just sort of go with it because that's the pattern you're used to because the mind has gotten us all accustomed to negativity. So what we're doing here is using practices to hack this default programming. So how do you let go of a stressful experience. It's not how you think you would do that. Because when something happens, an experience wells up in us, and it's obviously something we want to process and move on from, you might be thinking to yourself, all right, got to let go of this. Yeah, Stefan said, let go. All right, I'm just going to let go. I'm just going to accept. And what do you do? You struggle and strain to accept. And what does that do? Absolutely the opposite, right? (laughs) Okay, so how do you not try to make something happen that you really want to happen? Isn't that what trying is by definition? I know. But trying is strain. Trying is wasted energy. I just started uh, kind of ramping up my workouts a bit. So I'm using um, kettlebells, rowing machines, mace bells, stuff that's like really demanding on the body. You have to use a lot of different muscles and it's great. Uh, I feel great from it. And I've put a bit of time into learning how to do it properly. And all of the training around any of these modalities will say loose grip. Because a tight grip means that your gripping muscles are taking the burden of what so many other muscles can collaborate in lifting. And you're kind of straining and wasting energy. And I think it also risks greater injury. I'm sure it does when you're not doing something absolutely in line with how uh, professionals say with that kind of weightlifting, probably doesn't help you, right? So basically what we're doing here is we are literally loosening our grip on letting something happen and let bigger muscles work this letting go process. So basically it's letting go (laughs) of having to let go. I know, okay, your head just exploded. Let's put it back together again. We're not going to try and let go. We are going to do a bunch of other things that might seem actually the opposite of letting go, and then letting go is more likely to naturally occur. Because you can't force it to happen, just create the conditions for it, like so many things in our practice here. Just like good service, just like the seduction process, just like any relating with another human. You can't make anything happen. You can't make them like you. But you can create conditions where that's more likely to occur without any grip on the outcome because that gets in your way too. So that's what we're going to do here. So when we are having this stress response and we're breathing into the experience, we're bringing awareness down to the body and saying, thank you so much for rising to the occasion here and giving me the energy and intensity that I need to handle this situation. You can close your eyes and you can bring your awareness specifically to those areas of tension. You can say, I see you. I understand. You can relax. Not you must relax. Not I need to relax. You can relax. It's an invitation without any expectation 
of that invitation being accepted by the body. It's the body's decision at the end of the day. But the more you do this, the more you are bringing your awareness into the body and letting the body know that you see it, you love it, you trust it, the more it will trust you back. And what you have here is mind-body connection. You're building a relationship, a relationship of trust between the mind and body. And over time, the body's more likely to say, okay, I trust you. We're safe. That's what we learned in the previous episode, right? The body needs to know it's safe in order to release stress. It also needs to know it's safe to stop the continual churning of the stress response and let you off the stress train, basically. And to edge this along, we can definitely get more step-by-step with our practice by using self-compassion. I'm going to leave that in the show notes. You can go through this practice. It's so powerful for totally meeting a challenging experience from a new direction. Interesting side note, the fascinating uh, revelations that occur when you hook up Tibetan monks and other people that have like a deep, lifelong practice of meditation and mindfulness to electroencephalograms and other devices that measure brain waves, you can observe their cycle of stress responses when they are given a stimulus. And they would ask these monks to, on cue, think of a difficult, painful experience. And they would, and their body would have a response. But boom, almost immediately, they would recover. Much more quickly than someone without a daily practice of some sort. Get them to think of a difficult experience, the body holds on to it longer. Because the mind's holding on to it longer, something's holding on to it longer. For the purposes of understanding how this works, I don't think it's important to know what it is that's holding on to stress. Either way, when you exercise your mind with something like regular meditation, it is naturally better at recovering from stress. Simple as that. And that's ultimately what we want here, right? Because as I said In the previous episode and this one, it's not that we want to get rid of stress. It's not that we want to avoid stress. It's not that we want to make stress vanish the moment we experience it. No, have the experience and be as ready and willing to recover from it as quickly as possible before you say or do something that uh, you regret later. (laughs) All right, that's all I got for you. And check out the website, www.serveconscious.com. Also, I am building a mindfulness-only community where we are working on this kind of stuff constantly, going really deep into practices for mastering our minds and our bodies and how they navigate these challenges. So check out the link. There's a free course where you can get a taste of all these amazing techniques and an opportunity for membership into my self-made mind community. Link is in the show notes. Much love, guys. Thanks so much. Have a good one.